gotten into this series, and I pray that you're enjoying this series, and it's, it's been a long time coming for me, and um, I've always wanted to do uh, something that looked at the different passages of Scripture and how they all intertwine, um, not so, coincident, so coincidentally, all the 316s in the, uh, in the, in the, in the Scriptures, and uh, not all of them, because some of them are really strange. So if you go looking up um, some other of the 316s, like I did, I looked at every one, and uh, I picked out the ones that work. <laughs> you know? Some of them are very weird and very strange, and I'm like, that, how would I ever? I'd have to preach for an hour before I got to the 316 part, but um, I pray that you would, uh, you would do your own study on these 316s that we, that we sort of brought to the forefront, and um, we're calling it Mission 316. Um, and, and Kathy, how about Kathy, huh? Last week doing a bang-up job, bringing, uh, bringing that scripture to life for us, right? Come on, show her some love. It's all right, it's all right. She, uh, she has, she is Pastor Kathy in my heart and mind, but she said, oh, just call me Kathy. Well, Pastor Kathy brought the word last week, and uh, the invitation and all of it was, was really fantastic. So, excellent job, excellent sermon. Um, I enjoyed every minute of that. And, uh, and other people that when we're out, you know, it's, it's so reassuring to a pastor. And, and believe me, I say this all the time, and I'll say it again, it's not like this everywhere. It's the, the warmth and the support and all the people involved and, and, and kind of chipping in and doing what they can when they're needed. All of that stuff is just not like this everywhere, folks. If you just took a peek at some other churches, don't go there on a Sunday, good night. But if you just got some feedback, maybe you know someone or maybe it's someone across town or, or uh, you know, over here, over there, but it's not like this anywhere. And, and, and I have... We have people that have stepped up, felt the calling of the Lord, really. Uh, it's not just because we ask them, but they felt a calling of the Lord. You know, uh, Danielle stepping in and leading worship and Kathy preaching and all of that. It's, it's so nice to know that, you know, we can be gone for a weekend and uh, things just, just run smoothly. It's all, I mean, from, from, from the front of this, just the front of the back of the building. From this part all the way to that part and to that part and every facet in between from the bottom of my heart um, for all the volunteers and all the key leaders, uh, thank you, really. It just, it's so reassuring that I, I used to be kind of micromanaging and kind of worried and not worried but just I want to see, make sure everything goes okay and I don't do that anymore. I don't do that anymore. It was probably Tuesday or Wednesday before I even checked out, probably Tuesday before I even checked out the live stream recording. Like I don't have to... Don't have to babysit anything. You know, the Lord will take care of things, and He's brought people up, and, and they volunteered and stepped up and stepped in. And if you're not a part um, of what we're doing here, and you have something that's weighing on your heart that you, you think the Lord is leading you in, a ministry, a, a class, a something, um, you know, let's talk about it. I won't guarantee a spot, but we can talk about it, right? We can, we can have that dialogue and say, you know what? I feel like God's leading me in this direction. I'll part, you know, partner you up with somebody, or, or however it works for you. But I want you to know that, that um, you know, it doesn't stop with what you see here. Uh, there's some things coming up, too. I want you to prepare your hearts uh, for what's coming up. I wasn't going to make the announcement, but I think I'm going to. Uh, coming up in the, uh, in the spring, and Sue's going to kill me maybe for this, but maybe not. Um, 
She's our SDMI uh, director, our SDMI superintendent, and all small groups that happen in or outside of the church fall under the direction of our SDMI uh, superintendent who does a fantastic job and loves the Lord and loves this Lord's house and all of you people. And so we're starting up in the, at the end of March, beginning of April, we're going to be starting up small groups that are going to meet all throughout the week. Because, you know, we need that discipleship, that connection, right? So we've picked out some, handpicked some people to lead that in their own homes. Or maybe here at the church, there's four or five groups now that are ready to roll. They're in the starting gates, ready to go for the springtime. Spring, I think March is spring. Well, whatever. But, yeah, no, the end of March, we're going to begin that. And we're going to go in, clear into uh, the beginning of summer. And then we'll take some time off. But... Please, 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 be already be thinking like, wow, maybe, maybe there's going to be a group that I could plug into. There will be. So just be, keep your eyes and ears open for that that's coming, as well as many, many other things that are coming up this year that we're, we're really excited about, we're really fired up about, that, um, that you're going to see some changes around here, and, and, and Lord willing, some of them pretty drastic uh, visually, and some of them that will, that will mean a lot to your heart, and bringing you along, and discipling, and all of that. So uh, it's time, right? It's time. We've learned how to live with the craziness a little bit that's going on in our world, and nothing surprises God or shocks Him off the throne. And His work and His word will go forward from this place. It will go forward from this place. And we will not be shaken. Amen? Amen. We are going to go forth, go forward, and it's, it's going to be a wonderful time. I also didn't check... Uh, and, and It's not a good principle to live by to ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Don't, don't go by that, that principle in life. That's not a good idea. However, I've done it again. Um, so last week at the close of the service, um, uh, David, David uh, came and gave his heart to the Lord. And uh, David, we love you, brother. And I'm sorry I wasn't here to see that. I would have, but I heard it and I watched it and it was unbelievable. Um, so I know he's in good hands with, uh, with his, his mom and dad back there and his, his extended family. But uh, David, I, I want you to come on up here for real quick. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I promise. I promise, I promise, I promise. But uh, David, I want to give you a gift here from the church from me really. Um, it's called um, My New Life with Jesus. And I know your parents have demonstrated what walking with Jesus is really about your whole life and your grandparents and all of that. And, that, and that's great. I get that. But as, as a student, as, as someone who's maybe seeking answers, listening for questions, looking at questions, this, this book is a great little guide that goes through maybe on your level, um, really kind of on my level too. Um, <laughs> But it's really got some good answers. Just just go through that from the beginning to end. You know, it kind of says, wow, you know, I, I'm, I've accepted the Lord. Now what? Kind of thing. So it's my gift to you, brother. I'm proud of you, brother. I really am. Love you. Very proud of you. All the best. It's that kind of thing. You know, we're not just going to, you know, they'll just come here, pray a prayer from there, here, whatever, and then, whoop, see you later. Have a good time. No, 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 no. That's not the, not the way it works. So that's all that extra housekeeping. So thank you for hanging in there with me. Uh, we're going to get started in the sermon this morning. And, and, and Randy guessed it last week where we're going to be uh, for this sermon. The 316 that we're going to be looking at uh, this week is 1 John 316. Uh, not John 316. We covered that first. This is 1 John 316 that we're covering this morning. So if you have your Bibles or your apps, uh, go ahead and, and turn to 1 John 3.16. And we're just going to read that scripture real quick. And can I get you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning? 
When we start out with the scripture, it's real easy for everyone to just stand sort of in honor of, of God's word. You know, like this is not another book we're reading. This is the word of God. So let's stand and, and read it together. Uh, you can follow along. This is John, 1 John 3.16. It says this, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 1 John 3.16. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of his word. Now when I think of the subject of this verse, right? And it's amazing to me how 1 John 3.16 is really a lot like John 3.16 in its message. Um, giving of, of one's life for uh, for the love of another person. It's sort of like that. And, and the subject of 1 John 3.16, this idea of, of love, right? We're going to talk a little bit about love this morning, and we'll talk about things that, that sort of guide us back to 1 John 3.16. But the premise of, of love, these, you know, when I start to think about that word, and, and you know, it's, it's, all, it's coming into, you know, Valentine's Day is around the corner. I get it, you know, and we're going to start. Boy, the candy came out like after Thanksgiving, I thought, right? It was like in the stores already. But, you know, I sort of start thinking about, I have a, I have a kind of a soundtrack mind. I don't know if you guys do too. But you start thinking of like movie verses and song titles and songs when you start thinking about this. And some of you are already rolling your eyes. No, no, trust me, it's all right. It's all right. Um, but songs that pop in, you know, lyrics and movie lines come into my mind uh, when I start thinking about this, this crazy little thing called love. So these songs, including that one, just started popping into my mind. And some of you will remember, I don't know if there's any, uh, particularly 80s songs, because that's, you know, kind of when I grew up, 80s, 90s, uh, late 80s. Some of you will remember that, that foreigner, they wanted to say, they asked the question, they really wanted to know what love is, right? Foreigner wanted to know what love is. Tina Turner asked us, what's love got to do with it? Van Halen, right, said, why can't this be love? Hathaway, Hathaway, remember, said, what is love? Right? Some of you get that reference. What is love? Even Whitesnake asked the question, is this love? Sorry, it just kind of hit me that I just quoted Whitesnake from the pulpit. I'll be resigning this week. Taking your questions and emails at I don't care what you think at gmail.com. Uh, but I can see your conversation over lunch later on today, you know, with your friends. Hey, your pastor have any good quotes this morning? Maybe, uh, maybe Spurgeon? Maybe A.W. Tozer? How about J.I. Packer? Maybe. No, no, but he did quote Whitesnake this morning from the pulpit. All right, so love, right? Let me get back on track. Love. We can all relate to the idea of these love songs about love, right? Uh, about loving others and loving one another and loving each other. And, and I know some of the younger folks, right? Taylor Swift is, is currently telling us her love story, right? Maybe you're a little older and probably a little wiser. You remember the Beatles told us all we need is love. And Forrest Gump assured the love of his life, Jenny. I'm not a smart man, Jenny. But I know what love is. Nothing. That's the best I got. 
But the Apostle John here is going to tell us in our text this morning that that that's true love, what he's talking about. He's also going to tell us, uh, he's going to say that we dare not leave our conversations on this topic of love that we're going to look at at the surface level. He's, it's not the surfacey kind of love. Because if we do, we might be confused about what love actually is. And we might even miss what love is altogether. And John doesn't want that to happen to us. So what we have to do this morning is we have to dive deep into this text. And it's, it's, not, it's not a hard text. It's not difficult to understand. I like these type of, of scriptures that speak right to us. That hit us right between the eyes. I don't think John doesn't really want us to casually glance over uh, this, this passage either and what he's going to tell us. But you know the three rules of biblical interpretation, right? Say them with me if you know them. Context, context, and context, right? Don't just rip this line out of this, this, this verse out of the scripture, but, but let's see what came before, what comes after, what comes during. It's all part of it. So let's look again at 1 John chapter 3. We're going to go all the way back to verse 11, and we'll read it through 18. And we need to look at this because John's going to answer all of these questions that all of those bands were asking, including White Snake. And so here we go. John chapter 3, starting in verse 11. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. You're still with me. This is awesome. Track with me. That's, what, that's the preacher, preacher language. Track with me this morning. Here we go. Verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Here we go. He's getting deep. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Hmm. Verse 13. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. For we know that we have passed out of death into life. Because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. This is strong. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Good morning, church. Say it with me. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. <laughs> and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this, we know love, that He, who's He? Thank you, the Sunday school answer. Jesus, He laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. See how John is taking the fact that Jesus Christ laid down His life for us so that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers for other believers, for our Christian brothers and sisters. Verse 17. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Now that's some heavy stuff surrounding our cute little 316 verse. And I love how John jumps right into this passage and telling us the theme and the purpose of the text. It's not, it's not subliminal. It's not hard to understand. You don't have to kind of try to read in between the lines what's John really saying here. He said this has been the message from the very beginning. 
This is the message from the beginning. It says, love one another. And, and John he said, just in case there's any confusion here, there shouldn't be, but just in case there is, for the next few verses, 12 through 18, he explains to us exactly what he's talking about. And notice how he kicks off verse 11 with the word. He says, for. The word for. This message, or, or, or we might say, because. This is the message. He says, for. This is the message. Because of all this, this is the message. John is pointing back to the previous passage. So the first half of the book of First John, he tells us the, the different things about God. He says that God is light. And he tells us that as children of God, that we should be walking in the light. John is very, very uh, visual in his teaching, right? Because and, and it's, it's amazing that he's, he talks about Jesus and, and God being light. And he, as children of the light, we should be walking in the light. In other words, we should be living righteously. We should be living as Jesus lived, as he commands us to live righteously. Further, John told us that if we weren't living righteously, he says if we weren't walking in the light, then we are not children of God. In fact, John told us that in the reality of things, if, if that's who you are, then John's very strong and he says, you're actually children of the devil. Is, those, that's not my words. You're mad at that? You're mad at God. It's in the scripture. He gave us a couple of distinguishing marks that identified us as children of the devil. He says, the first is the lack of righteousness. The second was the lack of love for the body of Christ. For the brothers that he talks about in this passage. So the marks of you being a child of the enemy was a lack of love for the body of Christ. And so in light of that, John is now launching off of verse 10. He's expounding out exactly what he means. So he says here in verse 11, For this is the message, love one another. Now, this is not a new message, John says. It's something that you, this isn't something that you haven't heard before. John says, this is the way it's always been. From the very beginning, John said, it's been this way. This shouldn't be new news. In the Old Testament, even from the, from the beginning, when the law was how people were, were, were living and following. Remember, this New Testament time is, is new to people. It's new. They're like, well, what, we used to just follow the law. And then, and then you know, Jesus came to fulfill the law. We know about all that. We, we heard about that a few weeks ago, um, how the law was how they were used to living. And now Jesus comes on this scene and, and, and his teachings and his disciples and they're changing things and how, they're, how they look at the law. So Old Testament, Leviticus 19.18 says, love your neighbor as yourself. So this isn't new news. It's the same message that Jesus himself was preaching all throughout the Gospels. In Mark, he's talking about the great commandment, right? Love God, love people. That's it in a nutshell. And again, John records the same message in his Gospel. Remember John wrote a Gospel? Well, he also wrote an epistle. The epistles in the Bible are not the wives of the apostles. Come on, somebody, anybody. The epistles are the letters that were written rather than the Gospels were a history or a recording of what Jesus actually did and said. But John writes in his Gospel, 
uh, about the same message. And he writes about it here in his epistle. Every believer has heard of the love of God and how that love should be lived out in our everyday lives. Love is what identifies us as believers. It marks us as the body of Christ. John 13, 34 says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. These are the words of Jesus. These should be in red in your Bible. John is recording in his gospel these words of Jesus. And the implication from these words here in the gospel, and then again expounded on in his epistle, is this. Love is for everyone. It's all-inclusive. And hear me when I say that, and don't hear what I'm not saying. Love is for everyone. God's love is for everyone. No one is outside of His love. Can the church say amen? Amen. All right, let's move on. So the implications of, of these words here in the gospel is that this love is for everyone. It's for every single person. Remember John 3.16, whosoever believes, right? And also that he came to save the world, right? That doesn't exclude anyone. Anyone. Everyone is reachable by the, with, with and by the love of God. All right. We're to love everybody, it says here, just as I have loved you, all right, look, the love of God, right, we got that love of God, right, for everyone, accessible for everyone, you are never too far gone for his love, nothing you've ever done or said has eliminated you from qualifying for God's love. He wants to love you and does love you right now, right now, as we sit here, as we watch and listen online. That's the love of God. And then there's a, just as I have loved you, here's the hard part. Is it hard to accept God's love? Sometimes. Sometimes. It's hard for people to accept God's love. Well, pastor, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. You don't know what I said to so-and-so. It doesn't matter what you said. God's love and forgiveness is for you this morning. Period. All right? God's love is available for everyone. That's not hard. Well, it's hard for some people to understand. The harder part, you also are to love one another. We're to love everyone, first and foremost, the brothers that he talks about in 316. uh, The brothers, the love everyone in God's house. Everyone in the body of Christ. We're to love. Those people that annoy you, Do not nudge, point, or elbow right now. Look right at me. Look right at me, y'all. Those people that annoy you, yeah, you got to love them. You have to love them. You have to find a way through Christ, through prayer, through seeking, through this altar, through some way, you've got to find a way to love those people. You're commanded. The ones that talk bad about you, yep, you got to love them. Those ones that, here's, pull in your feet, those ones that hurt you, yeah, you got to love him. Because just as I have loved you, how did he love us? 
mercy, grace, forgiveness. Even though you did not love Him, in fact, you hated Him before you loved Him. You've got to love Him. It's clear. Love one another. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Colossians uh, chapter 3. He says this, Put on then, as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And then he comes up with this. That's a great starting point. That's a great scripture. Again, it's not something that we're thinking up. It's as He has forgiven you. Was there a time in your life when you knew you needed God's forgiveness? I know there was in my life, and there continues to be. And just as you've received that forgiveness... You also must forgive. Please hear me this morning, church. There is no room in the Christian's heart, in the believer's heart, for holding a grudge. There's no room for that. You've got to hear me this morning, church. And it's not me. That's what the Scripture is saying. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, does He hold a grudge against you? No. He does not. We sang it this morning. I'm free, free, forever I'm free. He doesn't hold a grudge. He doesn't say, yeah, I know, but remember when. You are free. Your sins are forgiven. And it ends there. So just as He has forgiven you, you must also forgive. 14, He says this, And above all, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. It's that kind of love that's going to identify us to the world as the body of Christ. And it's that kind of love in us that's going to testify to the world about the love of Christ because it's His love that is in us and working through us. Should be. Should be. He was the example for us. He showed us how to love. He showed us how to extend mercy. He showed us how to extend grace. And He shows us how to forgive. There's no room in the Christian's heart or life for holding a grudge. Moving on. You see, what John is saying that is that love is inherent to who we are as believers in Christ. We can't help it. Put on love. Imagine that. Put that visual in your mind. Put on love. You put it on. It's something that something you put on. Like, hey, this is who I am. You walk around and I'm love. See me? I'm love. At least you should be. If you're a believer this morning, the love just kind of flows out of you. Paul shared it in 1 Thessalonians that concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. 
Sort of what John was saying in his epistle. This is, what, this is what it's about. This is how it is from the beginning. Paul says, we don't really need to write to you and instruct you that you ought to love one another. It's, it's part of who you are as a Jesus follower, as a, as a Christian. You've been taught by God to love one another. Whether you read a single word out of the scripture or not, the minute you've accepted Jesus' payment on the cross for your sin, you've been taught by God how to love. And so if you're a believer, then you love. It's just what you do. And so you would think in light of that, that we wouldn't need to be talking about this concept of loving one another. Why is it in the scripture so often? It'd be pretty clear to us, right? As followers of Jesus, you think that if, if the church actually engaged in this kind of love, that the world outside the church would see us observing this kind of love, that they'd want to experience that kind of love too. But John gives us an illustration back in verse 12. And it says that that's not really true. He says to us, don't love like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Well, now he's speaking to the people that would have known the scripture and known the Old Testament and saying, you know, remember that? Remember Cain? Don't love like Cain did, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Well, why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, the word says. But his brother's righteous. So then don't be surprised when the world hates you. John told us in verse 11, love one another. But then he turns right around and gives us this illustration of this brother acting in direct contrast to that command. Cain murdered his brother. Think about that for one minute. Cain had a brother named Abel. If you don't know in the scripture, Cain had a brother named Abel. And they were raised in the same home. And Some of you parents are going to relate to this. They were raised in the same home. They were brothers. They've grown up together. They have both were bringing an offering to the Lord together. Back in Genesis chapter 4, we can read about they're both trying to worship the God of the universe and they get not some false God. They know, they know there's a God. They know who He is. They, they have accepted that fact that, okay, the Lord is, is the Lord. Not some false God, not some idol, but they're worshiping the true God. They, they, they bring an offering. And that, so that people would, on the outside, looking at these two brothers raised in the same house, would say, you know what, they're a couple of the church kids. They're raised, they're those religious boys. You know, they're coming, and, and they're just a couple of religious brothers, the church kids, church brothers, church-going guys. You know, they look the same. They, they kind of look the part. They're, they're bringing the offering. They're, they're doing these things that are part of the Old Testament sacrificial system. They look the same. They come out of the same house. They've come from the same, same place. They've, they've walked the same road. They've gotten to the same spot. They look the same. But we know they weren't the same. Abel, by faith, Hebrews tells us, walked in righteousness, as it was. Marked by love, Abel. But Cain was not. Cain did not walk by faith, and he was not marked by the love of God. They were inherently different from one another. Cain, in fact, had a different father. John says Cain was of the evil one. And his works were evil. And if you remember the story though, what happens? The Lord goes to Cain and he says, Why has your countenance fallen? Why are you so angry? Cain is an angry bird. Come on. Nobody. 
He says, Cain, why are you so angry? He says, if you do right, if you do the right thing, if you repent, if you do well, won't you be accepted just like your brother? But if you don't, sin is crouching at the door. And we all know that Cain did not repent. He hated his brother because he was of the wicked one. And Jesus says in John 8.44 that he was a murderer from the beginning. He was talking about the devil. So you can see Cain looking like his father, And this word that John uses here for murder, it carries with with it this idea of slaughter. He murdered his brother. This idea of slaughter. Serious violence here. And this is a word that they would have used to slit the throat of the sacrificial lamb. This this murder, this sacrificial slaughter. Um, So it's kind of like Cain was saying, you want a loving sacrifice? How about this sacrifice? And he murdered his brother. And John says the reason he did that was because his works were evil. Now don't miss this, because his brothers were righteous. See, Abel's righteousness didn't just move Cain to repentance. Instead, it fueled the rage in him, seeing his brother that way. Because you know what it did? It exposed his own sin and guilt. And so John says to us, in light of all of that, don't be surprised then when the world hates you either. This is, a, this is a command. It says, like John says, stop being surprised when the world hates you. Just because you're living righteously doesn't mean the world is going to respond and want to repent. They're not. Instead, the world is going to be sort of angry with you. They're going to hate you because their own sin is going to be exposed. How many have met resistance from, from family members, from friends, when you, when you have, even when you've accepted Jesus, when you first start following Christ, or when He moves in your life and something miraculous happens or something like that, and you just can't help but share that, and you meet opposition from your friends and family and, and people you work with, and all the, you, you meet that opposition. Don't be surprised, because the world's sin will then be exposed. And that's exactly what happened with Cain. So John says, don't be surprised when you're living like Christ, when you're living like He did, sacrificially giving of yourself, and the world responds with contempt or hatred. Don't be surprised. But sometimes, aren't we surprised? We go out of maybe out of a service or out of, out of even just a personal prayer time sometimes in the morning or something, and we go and we proclaim the good news of the gospel that God loved the world, God loved me so much that He gave His only Son, that whoever belie- whosoever believes in Him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. And we expect the world's going to respond with gratitude and thanksgiving and just flood up to us and say, yes, I want that. Because we've shared that, we've, we've expressed that, but that's not usually how people respond. They come at you like, who are you? Don't talk to me about your religion. Don't talk to me. Don't, I, knew, I know you. <laughs> Don't tell me about that. And we, are, we expect, we, we've had an inward change. I mean, we are just, sometimes we just get fired up, whether we've been a Christian a long time or we've just become one and we say, you know what? Jesus has changed me. And it, or, or we go and we say, Jesus changed me again or more. Or I'm, uh, just some things I've experienced through reading about. And we expect the world to be like, yeah, no, that's not what happens. 
So then what do we do? We kind of, sometimes we shrink back. Sometimes we, say, we water it down a little bit, right? We water down the controversial issues that, they have, that we really have a lot of trouble with, and they do too. We water that down. Sometimes we compromise our own beliefs, just, oh, yeah, okay, cool, yeah. We back it off a little bit. We try our best to, you know, to kind of say, we're, we're, yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm like you. You know what, I'm, I'm a lot like you. I can relate. And I can, rather than having the boldness of what just happened in our lives, we're, you know, we, we say, I'm just a lot like you. You're right. We're, we're kinda, we we, we back it up a little bit. We sort of water it down. God forbid, us that we, God forbid that we would respond that way. Because in Matthew 15, or chapter 5, it says this, that you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. See, you are the light of the world, it says. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, the Bible says that let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. In other words, don't shrink back. The light is on. The light is lit. The city's on the hill. The salt is salty. Don't let it lose its flavor. Don't shrink back. Jesus says, when the world responds to you in hate, do you know how to respond? One author said this, you respond by shaking and shining all the more. I love that. Because where is the salt kept? In a salt shaker on our table, right? So when the world comes at you, you shake the salt and you shine even more. You turn up the light. Don't shrink back and start to compromise what you know God has in your heart and has in His Word and has in His commands. And Don't shrink back. Just keep shaking the salt. Keep being the light. You be salt. You, you proclaim the blood of Jesus Christ and the love that is inherent to that, right? Proclaiming the love of God. You have to talk about the mercy and grace. Of God. Remember John 3.16, right? You have to talk about the life change. You have to talk about it. You just you can't get disappointed when people don't respond the way you want them to. You have to remember John 3.19. Jesus said the Father sent the light of the world into the world to rescue it from darkness. But the world loved the darkness rather than the light. Because their works were evil. See how this all ties together? The world doesn't want their actions exposed. They want to stay in the dark because the Word says they love the darkness. That's what John's saying in verse 13. Don't be surprised when you love like Christ and their response is hatred. I think we see this all the time in the news, right? We see it all the time. You can't turn on anything anymore without seeing something going on that kind of goes into this category. But I think, you know, unfortunately, we also see it go on in the church. Whenever the church has to make hard decisions, whenever the, and, and it really kind of comes to me, um, it reminds me of things like church discipline, right? We don't talk about that much. But church discipline is a thing that is explained in the Bible. This is how it's supposed to happen. Go back into Matthew and read it. 
But people from the outside of the church, they don't really understand what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. But the person, all they're doing is making like a public announcement like, hey, you know, I, I want to be part of the team. I'm included. I'm one of the brothers. This is what I want to do. I want to, be, I want to do life with you. I want you to hold me accountable. People that like want to be a part of what we're doing. And then when it comes time to, to maybe enact some church discipline and read it. Whenever there's a brother or sister living in unrepentant sin, right? That's what the Bible talks about. Or when he's not acting love, loving in the body of, of, the, of the church, and the church rebukes that person or corrects him, people outside the church, and sadly even sometimes inside the church, say, well, who are you? That doesn't sound like love. That sounds a little bit mean, actually. That sounds judgmental, but what they don't understand is that this actually is love. Read it in Matthew. The church discipline is like when a parent loves their child and that love moves them to discipline. That's why the church engages in church discipline. But people on the outside wouldn't understand that. 1 Corinthians says this. And I don't think this would surprise you that we're going here. This is not a wedding verse. It never was intended to be, but we read it a lot at weddings. Guilty. But 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 4, says that love is patient and kind. Love does not envy and does not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. And it's not irritable or resentful. Husbands and wives, take, forget about this during the wedding ceremony. Believers in Jesus read this as the church was instructed by Paul. It is not resentful or irritable. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. This is not a marriage scripture. This was for you and me, the church. Let me review. Love is patient and kind. And I know you're thinking of people, and look right at me. It does not envy or boast. Look what I did. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Church, not husbands and wives, you and me, with one another. Love is not resentful or irritable. Why didn't they do that my way? It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. That should be a given. So, to wrap it all up this morning, well, speaking of, let me wrap up the church discipline thing real quick. Discipline says that you've joined the family. You're part of the team. You're my brother and you're my sister and I love you. And I'm pleading with you because I'm, I love you to stop the sinful behavior. 
you know, you look at someone and you can say, you're being deceived. And I love you too much to not speak the truth to you. Think of it like this. You're walking on the train tracks, right? You've got your headphones on. You see, you see someone walking along and, and their headphones are on and, and you, you see a train coming. I'm not going to pretend that I don't see you walking along with your headphones along the train tracks and there's a train coming. I'm not going to pretend I don't see you. I'm not going to pretend I don't see you there. And I'll figure it out. And you're walking with the headphones on. And I know you got to walk. This isn't mine. But the train is coming. And you're walking along. I'm not going to pretend that train isn't coming. That would be unloving, wouldn't it be? I'm going to be pleading with you, screaming at you, that you're in danger and there's a train coming. And if I really love you with this kind of love that we're talking about, I'm actually going to put my own life in danger and I'm going to do everything I can to get you off those tracks. You see, loving one another means that there are times in the Christian life that we're going to have to say and do some hard things. We're going to be uncomfortable, right? That's what families do, right? We have sometimes some uncomfortable conversations. You've got to know, and I know for sure, but you've got to know that being a part of a family, especially the family of God, if we could shift there, being a part of the family of God sometimes requires some hard conversations and some really tough decisions. But that's what families do. John continues in verse 14 saying that that we know we have passed from death into life because we love the brothers. He puts an emphasis on the word we. He's making a distinction between the world's love and Christian love. Because there really is no distinction if both of them look the same. If we simply love like the world does to the people that look like us or act like us or or, or we, we simply love the same way the world loves, we return, you know, you know how the world loves. I love you, but don't cross me. I love you for now. I love you, but the minute you do something I don't like, I'm out. Christian love is different. Christian love. John will tell us later in the book of Revelation that people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation will be represented around God's throne at the, at the end time. And we're supposed to be loving everyone in the body of Christ regardless of what they look like. Every nation of every tongue, he says every nation, every tribe and every tongue will be represented around the throne. So the world says that we'll love you if you look like us, if you talk like us, if you smell like us, we'll love you. You're like us. We love people like us. Christian love says, I don't care what you look like, what you smell like, we're called to love the unlovable, in fact. So then John tells us that all of these different people will be around the throne, and regardless of what they look like, regardless of their personality, John basically says that we're supposed to love them in in the way that we're supposed to love them, and when we show those people love, your love is evidence, is proof of your salvation, of your justification, of your new life in Christ. He says that we know. 
carries with the idea of experience and assurance. We know this. John 5.24, and I'll close with this. Whoever hears the words of the Lord and believes passes from death to life. He says a little further on in his book, when we walk in obedience, we abide in the love of Christ. Loving one another is evidence that God has taken our heart of stone out and replaced it. Randy, would you come? In Ezekiel, he says that he's taken our heart of stone out and replaced it with a heart of flesh. Love is an evidence, is, the, is one of the evidences of a relationship with Jesus Christ. John says, don't be characterized by a lack of love. I love the lyrics to that song. Can you do evidence? The lyrics to that song, evidence, that, or not evidence, I'm sorry. Homecoming, the one we just did, as Randy scrambles. The chorus says this, Scarlet sins had a crimson cost. You nailed my debt to that old rugged cross. And in case you missed it, it says this, An empty slate at the empty grave. I mean, it's not about goosebumps, but I'm getting goosebumps up here this morning. An empty slate at the empty grave. Thank God that stone was rolled away. Scarlet sins. Remember that, that reminds me of the movie, right? The Scarlet Letter. If I got it right, some that might be a little bit more experienced in that movie, let's put it that way, is that the woman who had sin, committed sin, had to wear a scarlet letter, right? Like a red letter. And that's how you would know that that's the person, that's the one. A scarlet. A scarlet sin had a crimson cost. Jesus' blood was shed for you. You nailed my debt to that old rugged cross. An empty slate at the empty grave. Those scarlet sins that were listed, well, you did this, you did this, you did this, you might have a scarlet sin list that would roll down the aisle. You say, Pastor, you don't know all I've done or said. God knows, and there it is. It's on the list. All of those sins had a crimson cost. And then when that stone was rolled away, proving that Jesus is who He says He is, that paper, you know, you turn it around, now they're gone. It's an empty slate at the empty grave. 
You got a chalkboard. You're writing all your sins down. This is what I've done. This is all the things I've said and done. You don't understand, Pastor. Well, Jesus said, you know what? When the stone was rolled away, he took the eraser, and now there's an empty slate. How many don't like a clean slate? Would you stand this morning? Would you bow your heads with me this morning as we close? Take some time this morning to reflect on the truths that we've heard from God's Word that the Apostle John has shared with us, inspired by the Holy Spirit. There's a really strong message in there about loving one another. That goes without saying. It's in there. It's very, very easy to to see. John didn't sugarcoat anything in this message. He said you got to love one another. But the condition to love one another is, well, just as Jesus loved you. In the same way, pouring out His love, His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness, it's available to you this morning. If you have a hard time loving other people, Maybe it's because you've never actually believed and received the love that God had has for you through Jesus. Your sins had a crimson cost. And Jesus paid that cost. Your debt was nailed to that old rugged cross. And when that stone was rolled away, there's an empty slate. There's a fresh start. There's a new beginning for you this morning. And just as we prayed earlier during our time of prayer, the only reason we close our eyes and bow our heads, we bow in reverence, but we close our eyes because I don't want anything distracting you this morning from what God is speaking to your heart. I don't want you seeing, you know, so-and-so running out of here, so-and-so's doing this over there, so-and-so's picking their nose, so-and-so's over here doing something silly. I don't want you distracted. So if you would do me the honor of closing your eyes this morning as you bow your head. And you reflect on everything you've just heard. And you would really know beyond a shadow of a doubt this morning that the Holy Spirit is talking to you. Maybe you've walked with Jesus for a long time. Maybe you know who He is. Maybe you know about Jesus, but you don't know Him. And maybe today you'd say, Pastor, I've known a lot of things about Jesus, but I've never known Him. I've never walked with Him and I'd like that fresh, clean, empty slate this morning to start over. This kind of love I don't know about, Pastor, and I would love for you to pray for me this morning. 
two things I would ask that if you're if you're in that moment right now and you're saying, Pastor, I've known Jesus, known about Jesus, but never known him. I want to walk with him. I want the clean slate. I want to start over. I want a fresh start with myself and my relationship with God and my relationship with others. So that I can learn how to love like Jesus loved. Well, it starts here. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you, lift you up. I want to follow up with you. I want the Holy Spirit that is here to minister to your heart. I want Him to speak to you every moment of every single day and I'll pray for you. But it starts here with a response. So you've been walking with Jesus for a while. You know about Him, but you don't really know Him. If that's you this morning, just just acknowledge me this morning. Lift your hand up real slightly, slowly, and no one else is going to judge you. Just lift your hand up and say, Pastor, that is me this morning. I need a fresh start. Amen. I want to love like Jesus loved. i got some people in my life that I just can't love. (laughs) Maybe that's you this morning. You just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. That's me. I want that fresh start. I see you in the back. I see you in the back. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen in the back over there. Praise the Lord. Known about Jesus, but never really known Him. I want to walk with Him. I need that love so I can love others. The second question is, maybe you don't and haven't known this this Jesus we're talking about. You've heard people talk about Him, but you've never even walked with Him. You've never made a commitment to Him ever. You find yourself, well, why do you have such trouble loving people and you're holding grudges and why do you have all this trouble? Well, John said it very clearly. Because you're not of the Father. You're not in Christ. You don't know Jesus. If you're willing to bow your head and bow your heart and surrender to God the Father this morning, I would ask that you would raise your hand this morning. Say, I never knew any. I'm here brand new. Pastor, I didn't even know that. That's why I'm having trouble loving because I never never experienced this Jesus you're even talking about. If you'd like to begin your walk with Jesus, He will come in. He stands at the door and knocks, the Scripture says. And if you would let Him, He wants you to open that door so that He can come in to your life and be be forefront in your life. So that's it. If that's you this morning, say, Pastor, I need to begin this walk with Jesus today. I know that I know that I know. And I know where I know because I stood where you stand. I know what you're feeling internally. I know. I've been there. And many people in this room have been there. Where God has worked on you for a while and it's come to a culmination of this house, this place, today. And He's saying, it's time to surrender. If that's you, put your hand up. Be proud that you're saying, that's me. I surrender this morning. I surrender to God. Don't hold back. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? I'm surrendering this morning. That's it. We're not giving up. We don't, we don't shrink back. But you say, you know what? I need the love of God this morning and I surrender right now. Don't leave here the same as you came in. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. That can be you. One more time around the, from the left to the right in this, in this sanctuary. If that's you, stay, stick your hand up. I'll pray for you.
come alongside you. We won't leave you in this life alone. We'll bring you along. We'll help you. Father God, you've seen those hands that have been raised this morning. God, you know know the hearts of the people that have had the courage to seek a fresh start, to learn how to love God like you love. It's not easy. It's not smooth sometimes. It's a bit of a rough ride. But we know, Father, that you will be with us each step that we take. The Bible says that your word is a light and a lamp unto our path. Just giving us enough light to see the next step. So, Father, those who have trusted you with a fresh start may have known about you. God, those that said, I, I, I need to start again. <laughs> I need to learn about this love. God, I pray that you would minister through your Holy Spirit to hearts and lives this morning, people that have had the courage to do that. And then secondly, Lord, those folks that have raised their hand for a a deeper commitment, (laughs) those that said, "I, I, I need this Jesus now. I need the love of God in my heart now. I need to start walking. I haven't before and now I have. I need to start walking with Jesus now. I thank you, Lord, for those souls and those hearts that have been won to you this morning. Let us go from this place, Lord, knowing that your love is who we are. It lives within us. And help us to show the world around us the same love that you've shown us. The same forgiveness, the same mercy, the same grace. Not holding on to grudges, but Lord, praying through and helping along and all of that, God. Help us to go from here the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for meeting us here this morning. I praise your name this morning, God, for the work that you're doing in your house this morning. One of those Sundays we don't want it to end. Thank you, Lord, for meeting us here and doing what you said you were going to do. And all the things that we've asked for this morning, God, we ask them in the mighty name of Jesus. And we pray them for his sake. Amen and amen. If you've made one of those decisions this morning, don't run out of here real quick. See myself. Before you leave, let's talk about it. Let's get through some things together. We want, to, we want to make sure you're encouraged and you know where to go next. So God bless you all. Thank you for...